Listener supported. WNYC Studios. This is all of it from WNYC. I'm Matt Katz, filling in for Allison Stewart. We continue now with our weekly series, Food for Thought, and we have two great guests for this segment on their new podcasts, professional home cooks Kenji Lopez-Alt and Deb Perlman obsess over recipes and how to make them work, and sometimes how to make them even better. It's called The Recipe with Kenji and Deb. The Recipe with Kenji and Deb. Remember that title. You're going to want to subscribe to this podcast as soon as you can. We hear about what makes a perfect recipe, such as techniques, tastes, tastes, and of course, the ingredients for common home-cooked meals, such as stovetop mac and cheese, meatloaf, pancakes, but without the box. New episodes of the podcast comes out every other Monday, and joining us today is the creator and co-host, Kenji Lopez-Alt. He is the James Beard award-winning author of the best-selling cookbooks, The Food Lab and The Walk, and the best-selling children's book, Every Night is Pizza Night. Kenji, welcome to all of it. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? Doing great. Thanks. Thank you for being here. And also here is co-host Deb Perlman. She is the creator of the award-winning blog, Smitten Kitchen, and the author of Smitten Kitchen Keepers, The Smitten Kitchen Cookbook, and Smitten Kitchen Every Day. Deb, welcome to all of it. Hi, thanks for having us. Of course. And listeners, we'd love to hear from you. What are some of your go-to meals to cook at home? How much time do you spend in the kitchen? Are you trying to improve your cooking skills? What's a dish you're hoping to work on? Are you an amateur chef? What new cuisines have you tried recently? Do you have any questions for our expert home cooks? Give us a call or send us a text, 212-433-9692. That's 212-433-WNYC. You could also reach out to us on X or Instagram at allofitwnyc. All right, guys, you're both home cooks. Who came up with the idea to start a podcast? Was it something that you kind of came up with together. Uh, what's the origin story here? Um, well, <laughs> Deb, you want me to take this? Do you want to take it? You should take this. Okay. Right. Well, okay. last year, Deb's book came out called mm-hmm. Kitchen Keeper, uh, sorry, Spitting Kitchen Keepers. Um, and uh, as part of her book tour, she came to Seattle. So De- Deb and I have both been writing recipes uh, for over 15 years, almost 20 years each. Um, and, uh, we've sort of moved in the same circles, but had never actually met each other. Uh, so when her book came out and she was coming on the Seattle leg of her tour, uh, she asked if I would be her co-host, um, which I agreed to, cause I'd always wanted to meet Deb. Uh, and so we met him in, in person for the first time, basically on a stage in front of, uh, 800 people. And, um, and it turned out that when we start talking about recipes, we can just go on and on and on. <laughs> and we had a lot of fun doing it. And it felt like our audience had a lot of fun listening to us. Um, and, um, so it, it just kind of, it kind of developed from there. That was about a year ago. And so we spent the past year, um, working on, uh, concepts for the show and ideas for the show, um, finding producers. Um, we ended up working with PRX and Radiotopia, um, who've been wonderful, but, um, that, that was, that was the origin of it. And, uh, and it's still just as much fun for me. I don't know if it's just as much fun for Deb, but <laughs> <laughs> it's been really fun, especially now that it's out in the world, yeah. not just a bunch of text chains. Right. You have one episode out currently, right? Mm-hmm. Or, and and, and mm-hmm. the, the idea, you know, there's other podcasts about food history, food culture. Uh, this is a little bit different, Deb, right? You're, you're like, it's sort of news you can use, right? You want <laughs> listeners to 
to hear what you have to say, and it's accessible to the amateur cook, to somebody who's just trying to get meals together for their kids on a random Tuesday, right? Absolutely. We're both really obsessed with writing recipes, with developing recipes, with the nuances of recipes. So we like the idea of taking people under the kitchen hood to show them what our process is and explain a little bit more about the decisions we're making to get to what we consider our ultimate recipes. And we're hoping that we'll help people find their perfect recipes along the way. All right, let's let's get some. Did, did oh. you just come up with that under the kitchen hood line? Is that when uh, we've been? I think it just um, it just came out of nowhere. Okay. <laughs> right, we'll Do we find our again. new tagline? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that could be the tagline for season two. I love it. Nice. <laughs> so so let's like let's, let's get get into it in terms of some some advice here. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes I go to the grocery store and I just going. I might have a couple of things written down on my phone that I want to pick up. Is there a strategy about in terms of going to the grocery store and making the most of it in a sensible and cost-effective way? Well, <laughs> for me, I mean, my primary rule is, is is it's not don't go hungry, but it's know whether you're hungry or not before you go. Because uh, for me, at least, that 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 plays a big role in how much I end up buying because I get tempted by things when I'm sure. hungry. And so if I if I have an empty fridge, I'm like, okay, I can go when I'm hungry and I'll fill it up with stuff. Um, and uh, But if I'm just going for a specific recipe, um, then I make sure to eat a meal beforehand. Um, you know, but but for me, at least, uh, I find, you know, one, one of the lessons I try and teach in all of my writing is that um, techniques uh, are more important than specific recipes because techniques are what allow you to become more adaptable and use what you have or what you find as opposed to the strict list of things that are, that are on an ingredients list. Um, and I know this, this is one of the areas actually where I think different home cooks differ and where Dev and I differ and what makes, part, I think what makes part of the dynamic out of our show um, fun because it, um, you know, we, we, we understand that we have, uh, we have similar goals, but we have different means of getting there and we have sort of different audiences as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I love the idea of teaching techniques and I'm hoping you're going to be taking a lot away, but I also, I love recipes. I know how to cook without recipes and I don't want to. I love the framework of a recipe telling me what to do, what to buy, how much life is like full of decisions. Days are exhausting. So many things are out of your control. I love the idea of coming home to a specific recipe that will definitely work if I just follow steps A, B, and C. I don't think there's a lot in life a lot in life that's like that. So that's why I love the idea of recipes. And I will even follow a recipe when I'm tired, even if I do know how to riff on it. I just don't want to. Wow. How about that? Well, let's, we, we have callers coming in. Uh, yeah. Henry in Highland Park, New Jersey. Hi, Henry. Henry, are you there? Hey, can Henry. You hear me? Yes, now we can. Thanks. Hi. Uh, first of all, I just wanted to say, Kenji, I've been a fan for a very, very long time. I cooked your roasted potatoes uh, yesterday, and uh, it came out oh, as cool, crispy cool. as always. <laughs> nice. Um, but my, my question was about um, uh, cooking oil. I hear all the time, you know, seed oils are potentially toxic, canola oil you shouldn't touch. Obviously, I know olive oil is a high temp, and I cook with a lot of cast iron, so I'm always... Mm. Um, you know, seasoning and, and making sure everything is nice and uh, shiny as possible. But right now I'm using safflower oil um, mm-hmm. as like my daily sort of like high temp, all purpose oil. And I'm curious what you use and what you, what you guys might recommend. Great question. You guys have thoughts, thoughts on oil. 
Yeah, well, I guess it depends on it depends on what you're doing. So you know, generally by my stovetop, I keep a few different oils. So I'll keep uh, my my fancy olive oil, like my finishing olive oil, the one that has the you know the pepperiness and the and the bitterness that you're gonna drizzle on foods at the end. Um, I keep that on my counter. Um, I also have a sort of more generic cooking olive oil. So I I use like the Costco brand olive oil, the extra virgin. Um, so when I want that extra virgin olive oil flavor in something I'm cooking, um, I'll use that. Um, and then I also have a jar, um, a bottle with a a pour spout of um, my sort of all-purpose neutral, what I call my neutral oil. Um, and that one varies. You know, I I personally have not been following along on the seed oil uh, news issue um, too closely. Um, you know, I, I feel like it's, it's like a lot of uh, health-related news reports at this point, it still feels like a lot of it is sensational. Um, and so maybe, maybe when things settle down a little bit, I will take another look. I figure I've been I've been going through 44 years of life uh, cooking with seed oil, so like an extra six months to wait to see what the results of that are <laughs> is not going to make make or break the rest of my life. Um, so um, so yeah, I do I do generally use in there. Sometimes it it really depends on what what I what market I've just been to. So sometimes it might just be generic vegetable oil. Um, sometimes it'll be sunflower oil or safflower oil, sometimes grape seed. Um, I, I've been using rice bran oil as well. Like sometimes I go to the Asian supermarket and their rice bran oil seems to always be on sale. So I'll buy that. Um, but I'm not too picky about uh, when I'm when it comes to the neutral oil, um, the one that I'm just using to sort of sear things in uh, and, and just give you like a nonstick surface on your pan. Um, I'm not particularly picky about that. We, what about yeah, you, Deb? Yeah, what about you? Yeah, I'm about the same with that, where I, I do, I've read some of the stories, but I'm not really sure where to go with them. And so I tend to switch around. I probably have used safflower, I've used sunflower, I've used grapeseed oil, I probably have some high heat avocado oil. I feel like I've got a bit, little bit of everything, and I just mm -hmm. kind of switch around and sometimes just grab whatever the store has. Um, but I, you know, I, I understand it's not like we're going to be drinking a cup of it. That's not the goal. You know, so it's it's a means to an end, which right. is usually getting something crispy or not not imbuing it with flavor while you do it. We have a question via text. Uh, do these expert cooks have any advice or ideas of things to prep for lunch to take to work? I've grown weary of sandwiches. Any uh, mm. take to work lunch suggestions? I, I would say my favorite thing for. Uh, work is actually leftovers. If you really liked what you had for dinner the night before, or if you can like a, a, have an extra portion available, I feel like that's the easiest way to keep it fresh. Mm -hmm. But um, how about you, Kenji? Well, a couple things. So um, I would say that one of my most popular articles of all time was um, was making these little. They're basically like DIY uh, cup noodles where you have sort of pre-cooked noodles. You have some specific ingredients, like you can put some shrimp in there, some herbs in there. Um, you put like a little tablespoon of like a bouillon paste um, or say a Thai curry paste or something like that. Um, and so essentially you make like a sort of concentrated soup base inside a mason jar. Uh, and then at work, you just pour boiling water into it. Um, and so you get like a, a homemade cup noodle with whatever ingredients you want. Beef jerky is really good in those, by the way. Oh, it wow. It's up in the, uh, in the hot water. Um, but, you know, what I've been into recent, more recently because I have a, a daughter going to school every day and I pack her lunch every day um, is getting a bento box, like a Japanese-style bento box, which has dividers in there. Because I feel like when you have dividers in your container, that automatically makes you feel, all right, I need to put like a little different, like something with different colors in each section. It, it, give, it gives you sort of an array of things. Like one of them is going to be a snack, but like the little one's going to be maybe a piece of chocolate or a cookie. So it gives you um, the framework for a full meal. And it takes, like, you know, like what, Deb, what you were saying, it takes some of the thinking out of it. So mm -hmm. it's like, I'm just going to fill up these five little slots with things I pull from the fridge. Like usually three out of five of them are going to be some kind of raw 
fruit or vegetable. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the other one is going to be a uh, leftover, like it could be a sandwich, it could be, um, you know, some leftover pasta, something like that. Um, but I, I like I like having the bento box and, and taking the thought out of how I'm going to arrange everything and, and making sure that I have a selection of things um, uh, for my daughter. And well, I work from home, so I don't have to do that. But if I was going to if I was going to work and packing my own lunch, I would do the same for myself. Uh, I, I use that too for my kids when when I pack them lunch because they love grazing and it just makes it really easy because they you know if it's one thing they can just reject that whole thing and change their mind but it's a bunch of things they'll eat something from everything usually mm -hmm. totally and you get a well-rounded meal uh, let's talk to Julia in Mashpee Massachusetts hi Julia hello I just recently changed grocery stores um, uh, to a different one on Kate on the Cape and there are um, yards of different types of canned fish, salmon, tuna, um, sardines, anchovies. And I do, I do use some, but I actually, I, there's gotta be a whole culture that's using it. And, and so how do other people use different types of canned and tinned fish as uh, the basis of a protein meal? Wow. Yeah. Tin like fish Spain is hot is right like, now, right? Yeah. Tin fish yeah is I feel everywhere. like Spain is the land of tin fish the yeah. most. But um, at least a high end like, tin fish, it feels like. High end. Um, I don't know. We were, I went out for lunch yesterday. My husband got a Nispa sandwich and a salad. And I thought that was like, I was reminded of how it's such a great all purpose salad. And I feel like you could swap in almost any tin fish there. You've got like potato. I mean, I know authentically you won't have all these things in it, but the way we eat Nispa in this country, where you have a little bit of green beans and some boiled potatoes and maybe a halved cooked egg and some lettuce. Like it feels like a really great all purpose, well-rounded lunch salad. And I feel like you could try any of those tin fish in there and it would be a nice addition. What were you so thinking, Angie? Well, <laughs> literally just last night, um, I was trying to come up with dinner, and I went into our pantry and looked at our tinned fish collection uh, for, <laughs> for dinner. So we, we keep sardines and anchovies. Um, we keep a few different types of tuna. So last night, I actually I ended up using ventresca, which is tuna belly, um, in a can. Um, and what we did was I toasted some sourdough bread. Uh, I made a quick salad by uh, soft-boiling some eggs and combining that with the ventresca um, with some uh, scallions and herbs. Uh, and radishes, chopped up radishes, and basically made like a tartine. So, so put that on top of the toasted bread. Um, put a little bit of um, halved cherry tomatoes on there, uh, and then I put a six-minute egg in the middle. Um, and then, you know, right now, like oof, oof's mayonnaise is like a popular thing. You know, it, it, like soft-boiled eggs covered in mayonnaise. Um, so I made a very thin mayonnaise, um, which you can do just by taking store-bought mayonnaise and kind of thinning it out with extra virgin olive oil. I like doing that all the time. Um, but I put the egg like in the middle of this tartine. Um, coated it, napped it in mayonnaise, you know, and then uh, and then served it straight like that. And you kind of break the egg over this tuna salad and you get all the yolk over the tuna salad and you eat it and it's messy and it was really delicious. Oh, that sounds um, fantastic. And it would have worked with sardines. It would have worked with any kind of canned tuna, I think, or Just any kind of canned fish. Guys, we're together on a Tuesday night. I, I don't know if listeners literally heard my my stomach grumble just now <laughs> as you were explaining that meal. Uh, we we're gonna have to go, but I want you guys to tell me real quick what to expect this season on the podcast, the recipe with Kenji and Deb. What kind of meals will we be hearing about? Right now, we are we're focusing each episode on a different dish, and we're kind of going through some comfort food classics right now. We've done tomato soup, we've done buttermilk pancakes, stovetop mac and cheese. We've got a meatloaf episode coming up, so it's really fun, and it's stuff where we have a large range of recipes available to us, and there's a lot of like 
there's a lot of um, history and interest to the dishes. So I think it should be really fun to listen to. Great. Yeah. Our, our goal is for read, for listeners to come away feeling uh, empowered, feeling feeling that they can go into the kitchen uh, with a bit of extra knowledge um, and a little bit more comfort. Uh, and that, that's our goal. We want to empower people to become more comfortable and better home cooks. Kenji Lopez-Alt and Deb Perlman are the creators and hosts of the podcast, The Recipe with Kenji and Deb. New episodes come out every other Monday. Thank you, guys. Bon appetit. Thank Thank you. you. On Notes from America, we have conversations with people across the country about how we can truly become the nation that we claim to be. Each week, we talk about race, our politics, education, relationships, usually all of them, because everything's connected. And you, our listeners, are at the center of those conversations. I'm Kai Wright. Join me on Notes from America, wherever you get your podcasts.